and gentlemen, welcome to the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. I am your host, man who went to a graduation before graduating and doesn't really understand the purpose of doing things like that. Damian Gentile Ellinghouse, accompanied as always by good friend and lover of nonsensical events that you really just attend for your 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 parents' sake, Ryan Doyle. As we go on, my parents paid five hundred thousand dollars. I don't have a job. Thank you, Biden. You know the best. The best part about spending forty thousand dollars on a social work degree is that uh, that becomes your annual salary after you graduate. And you have to explain. You have to try to calm people down. Yes, that they spent forty thousand dollars. That's right. That's right. Uh, But joining us is uh, a man who is here to make sure that he. does not relinquish the FFCW World Television Championship uh, in a fierce comp- competition with the reigning and defending FFCW World Television Championship, as well as the uh, 17-time defender of the Creative Pro Heavyweight World Championship, Bryce Donovan. Here with us is a man who is pathetic. Let's get that out the way, Desmond Zantua. What up? Uh, the king of correct opinion style is back in the house. Um, and uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm flying high in a lot of ways. Life uh, personally is good. Uh, uh, broadly speaking, uh, in a cosmic sense, it seems pretty... Uh, the, I think the end is near uh, in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, wrestling's pretty cool. And I, I mm-hmm. like talking about the wrestling to keep mm-hmm. the... To keep the haze in the background, you know, I'm going to be yes. focusing on the wrestling. Yes, the very real, the very real Canadian haze that's uh, washing over us right now. It's uh, it's like a little slice of the West Coast on the East Coast, you know, a little East East West, little Hong Kong. If you get my drift, um, that's a that's a British imperialism joke for all the <laughs> listeners at home. There, Box nailed it. Uh, so we've got lots to discuss here. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, New Japan, AEW, WWE, lots of shit happening here. We're in a truck right in. Uh, so, lads, what are we? What are we consuming today? I'm consuming. Shut seltzer. up, Ryan. Let that, let our guest go first. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know we, who who uh, guest goes first. Who? Okay, guest. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, what the line changes situation is. Yeah, no, guest comes uh, first. So I'm. Uh, I am. Uh, uh, drinking an athletic brewing uh, uh, light copper uh, cerveza uh, non-alcoholic bevy. John Moxley's as, choice, right? Yeah, they refer to it as light copper. What was like amber, not good for them. They didn't want to go with golden or, or amber, so they were like copper. That's the appetizing one. If you read amber on a beer can, you're just going to chuck it against the wall and grab a real <laughs> beer. <laughs> Yes, athletic brewing. Did How John is it Moxley. though? How is it though? Does it taste like beer without the alcohol? Yeah, it's it, it's nice when you kind of just want the the mouth feel of a beer and not the uh, spiking uh, existential angst that that sometimes uh, sets in when I'm uh, you know drinking alcohol. You, you want the mouth feel, not the brain feel. Yeah, not you the brain you don't want, feel. You want an eleven ABV 
six ounce can at the end of the day. <laughs> it's it's been interesting. Uh, just I haven't had much alcohol much in the past six months, and it's just been interesting from like a writing standpoint, like for the new career day stuff. It's just been like uh, uh, layers of like, oh, that's what I was trying to avoid feeling. Oh, okay. Interesting stuff. Oh, wow. I can actually access this part of my brain because I'm not fucking drunk yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. Not a, not a life I'm particularly interested in. Big, big fan of other people that choose that lifestyle, but uh, not, not, doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work for me, brother. All right, Ryan, now you can go. Okay. I have a seltzer. Which one is that? Uh, Georgia Peach. I got love for that. Gina, my wife's a big fan of the blackberry lemon, which is a, that's a solid one. I like the, my favorite one of the polar is the, uh, the tropical pomelo. pomelo. How, how are, how is there not a, a Meltzer's uh, seltzers thing? Meltzer seltzers. Is that a real, is that a real have thing? you, have you seen that man? His brain has exactly enough space for wrestling and that's it. There's nothing else. One seltzer. He can't. He can't do much else than that. He's got time for wrestling and I guess weightlifting to some degree. That's it. Um, yeah. Well, I already had an open uh, Sam Adams summer ale, but what I'm showing up here with is something that's really great for uh, day drinking in Coney Island, and that's Coney <laughs> Island Mermaid Pilsner. That's two career day references I've worked in the first like five. Minutes, I appreciate so. you put you put me over. You really put me over strong here. I appreciate it. All right, so we're going to crack our beverages. We're going to sip. You guys already cracked. Well, like No, not not this one. Not this I one. have I no. had I had my golden. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, we we had our other drinks, but these are our podcast drinks. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Nice. Watching Hulk Hogan cut a promo next to Jake the Snake uh, was an experience today. When was this? I was watching like some one of the promos when they were facing off against. Uh... <laughs> when Jake slammed the real guitar over his. It wasn't it was... Hulk Hogan slammed the real guitar over Jake's back. It wasn't Ted DiBiase. I'm just I'm forgetting. No, it was Ted DiBiase. It was like they were feuding with Ted DiBiase and. Hulk Hogan was talking about, you know, brother, like Jake the Snake's here. Jake the Snake's gonna take you on that long bus ride down to the hospital, DDT, brother. And, you know, him and fucking Road Warriors are screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> and then Jake Jake just comes in and is like, I wants you. And I'll have you. Not great. Man, I um, wish, I kind of do wish we got like, like, uh, Desert Highway Drifter, Jake the Snake in 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 Attitude Era. If he was just able to hang on to it for just a little while longer, and not let the Thunderbird get to his head, and not let Stone Cold fucking just trash him on his way. Out. <laughs> oh, that's what happens when you read the Bible every day. So, well, listen, Jake. Uh, Jake did the best he could with what was given to him, right? So, speaking of uh, the best that you got given to you. Right. We had one of the best uh, New Japan events in quite some time, uh, June 4th, Dominion at Osaka Joe Hall. Now, before I start uh, bleeding New Japan facts all over the place, Ryan, 
keeps up, but you know, doesn't get to watch as often as me. But Desmond, much more of a casual fan when it comes to New Japan, you know, some awareness of the characters, but doesn't really tune in. So Desmond, what is the general discourse, if any, that you've heard about New Japan over the last year? Like what are what is your general take? We can say since Forbidden Door. I've heard that it's been like <clears throat> it's been basically like a rebuilding uh time for, for New Japan as like a promotion. Um that's that's like the big like word or theme that I've I've kind of heard that they have a lot of young people, but not a lot of established people, or a lot of established people now are in other promotions. So definitely a constant issue when it comes to like foreign talent. New Japan's never been great at locking them up, but uh, you're definitely correct that they're in a little bit of a rebuild resurgence. The pandemic was not kind to Japan as a landscape for professional wrestling. Uh, New Japan kind of hung on by the skin of their teeth a little bit. But this last year, starting from Wrestle Kingdom, has really shown some they've shown some incredible improvement. We're mixing in. We're infusing young returning talent with some of the older, more established talent. We're starting to fuck around with who's at the top and in the mid card. And it's been really great to see. And being that we're leading up to Forbidden Door season, it's very interesting to kind of look at the way that AEW and New Japan are going as promotions. Because while I wouldn't necessarily say that I feel like AEW has taken a downturn, there is definitely something missing over the last year, I feel like. Um, And, you know, a lot of it has to do with somebody whose name rhymes with DM Dunk. But, uh... You know, don't know if you guys know who I'm referencing there. Do you feel that they were in achieving a zenith in some sort of way when uh, Kenta returned two years ago against um, uh, who against Naito? Like, you f- did you kind of feel like they were ready to like? I mean, like yeah. more than two years ago. That was pre-pandemic. Yeah, shit, three years ago. Jeez. But like, you know, they were ready to like kind of cross over to a Western audience, and it seemed like they were finally gonna make an attempt. The pandemic fucked them. I mean, the pandemic definitely fucked them. They lost access to a lot of talent and the lack of crowds even well past when other promotions had clap crowds again was really hard. It's hard to wrestle in an empty arena, but I can only imagine how much weirder it is to wrestle in an arena filled with people who can't make noise outside of stomping and clapping. Got it. You know, every every like westerner who wrestled over there talked about how fucking weird it was um yeah not not a pretty sight but new japan has really been having a banner year uh wrestle kingdom was fantastic and it led right into a great new japan cup where sonata uh defected from los ingobernables de japon uh, to join just four guys, now just five guys, uh, half the remnants of Suzuki-gun in Taichi, Takamichi Noku, um, Doki, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, and then went on to beat Kazuchika Okada for the World Heavyweight Championship um, a couple months back, which was a huge surprise, but went over really well with the crowd. That then was followed up by probably the best best of Super Juniors tournament I've seen in a really long time with yet another surprise where Hiromu Takahashi, the previous three-time winner, three times in a row, uh, 
didn't even make the final four. And ultimately, you saw Master Watto taking on CMLL and now LIJ's Teton with Master Watto going over. So, like, and in that tournament, you had a lot of Gaijin in it as well. Dan Maloney from Britain being recruited by Will Ospreay for United Empire. Clark Connors, now a member of Bullet Club. Um, Francesco Akira and TJP, both of United Empire. Speedball Mike Bailey coming over, who had worked extensively, I believe, in DDT. Um, Leo Rush. It just it was a really great infusion of talent um, with some incredible, incredible matches. Um, and this all led us to Dominion, which was a top to bottom, just absolutely fantastic event. Um, I won't spend too much time going through match by match, but I will mention the things that are going to matter for Forbidden Door as part of this larger conversation. Now, before we do that, though, Desmond, being that you're, when it comes to New Japan, you know, well, let me ask, would it be fair to even consider you like necessarily a casual fan or do you just kind of have not too much interest in the Japanese scene as a whole? It's not that I don't have uh, interest. Uh, I do have interest. It's just uh, juggling a lot of like interest personally at at the moment. Like I, I, I can only budget so much time for so much wrestling like like everything else you know and and uh like watching raw is like kind of habit throw it on if 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 other stuff is on it's a nice thing to flip back and forth around um and uh you know dynamite two hours there and then smackdown's been must see for like a year and a half now like Mm -hmm. smackdown has like low-key had one of the craziest good streaks of live tv uh like i mean that's what this whole this this bloodline story has majority been on smackdown hasn't it Mm -hmm. correct yeah so like uh yeah there's only so much time i can give to rest but i i know that japan is is always like uh it it's it's the most artistically like esteemed wrestling i know that and 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 uh i it has that intrigue for me. It's just that I, it, I'll watch like uh, if my friends are watching, I'll I'll watch the thing with them if I'm free and there's nothing like there's nothing else. A band I love isn't playing or something like that. Like I'm down I mean, for a night like that. You know, it's definitely not easy because you got to remember like. You know, Damien's like, "Are you going to watch the New Japan pay per view?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, let's do it!" And it's like, "Okay, it's on Tuesday night," and I, I get yeah. the time difference, but like, like it, I get that we have. Like in the states, I gotta remember. Like, you know, it's not that unusual. We have playoff games during the week, big playoff games, big championship games during the week. If it just falls like that, oh, but the, the Tuesday nights, the Tuesday nights are rough. <laughs> yeah, no, and and you know, Desmond, you bring up a good point about how it feels like any wrestling fan who is more than like a casual casual fan at least kind of understands japan to be this very different landscape and i like the way you put it it is kind of this more freeing artistic expression especially for westerners because hey listen you like cursing in your promos go ahead they don't care you like to be able to kind of experiment with your move set in a way that maybe wouldn't work for your home promotion go right ahead. You know, there's definitely established styles and it's also kind of a good way for a wrestler to kind of 
check themselves, so to speak, and and figure out, well, like, I wonder what resonates with a completely different culture, what resonates with a completely different audience. Um, but yeah, reality is there's a shit ton of wrestling and it's very hard to keep up with New Japan, even with New Japan not running nearly as many shows as a weekly as a weekly product. Um, Ryan, being that you catch up a little bit more, at least try to stay in the know. How have you felt about New Japan this year leading into Dominion? Well, definitely more of an established wave. Um, I respect the fact that they're trying to build over some new names. Uh, you know, and forgive me, some of those were sort of escaping my name, but like, you know, there's definitely there's definitely more of an effort on their part that I can see that they're trying to get back to an established level where they were pre-pandemic. Um they're really going all gung-ho with their relationship with uh tony khan now as you saw you got claudio and moxley over in new japan now mm-hmm. um i think there's a respect on all levels that anybody who's going to be on the forbidden door pay-per-view is not going to wrestle for the next couple of weeks just so to make sure that we have a full product here God, and uh and they're not they're not going to pussyfoot around it either because they want to like they know they're kind of in a rock and a hard place with timing. I mean, they still have another what three weeks before we get the uh, pay per view, but I don't know. Twenty fifth. I think they were on such a rise last year. I don't think did CM Punk come back at that point? Like he, he either he just came back right after Forbidden Door or right before it. That's Am a I good question. On that? No, he he missed he missed Forbidden Door because remember Punk, oh it, that's why Punk, Moxley wrestled Punk Tanahashi gets hurt. Yep. right okay yeah. Punk gets hurt the the dynamite after double or nothing there was such a swell amongst everything in a good way for AEW last year after double or nothing with Punk coming back all these new faces showing up left and right that there was really no time to build up Forbidden Door as much as we were hyping it up and as much as we wanted it to be you know, sort of like the pinnacle show of the year, but I think it's going to breathe a lot more easier now. <clears throat> Absolutely. And that's because, you know, it's not necessarily that I had to pick up slack, but it's because New Japan is finally getting up to an established level uh, amongst their own audience, amongst the Western audience. So definitely, definitely they are rejuvenated. Um, I'm not, I'm not finding myself, uh, necessarily plugging in the holes myself they're making a good job of like establishing show to show and here's who we're building up they're having some of the they're really trying to push the young lions now too which is a good move mm-hmm. i know we're going to kind of allude to that later on in our conversation with wwe but they're starting to send out guys um like some of the young lions with some of the other uh, wrestlers like um who walked out with uh fuck who walked out with uh Moxley and Claudio. Yeah, who was that? Shota Umino. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Red Shoes Son. Yeah. But like still, you know, they're trying to at least, you know, like, oh yeah, here's here's who we have our eye on. Oh, know? absolutely. The only notable uh person missing from Dominion from like that new class of young lines was like Ren Narita. But um yeah, and and so instead of going through the entirety of the Dominion um Hard, which, like I said, was top to bottom fantastic. A lot of this is going to tie into Forbidden Door because you can reasonably expect to see most, if not all, of the champions. Same thing with AEW. So Will Ospreay defeated Lance Archer for the... It was a tournament final to determine who's going to face Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. So Osprey 
goes over on Archer and Archer apparently has been off TV because he was hurt, not because he wasn't being booked, but you they marks, had fa- <laughs> but they had a fantastic match and Osprey immediately calls out Kenny and, you know, goes, you embarrassed me in Japan. You took my belt from me. You fucked off back to AEW, And now I'm coming to Canada. It's going to be Osprey versus Canada made no if, ands or buts. Like I'm taking this to you. I'm taking this to you. Forbidden for uh, Will Ospreay, one of the few New Japan wrestlers that AEW fans would be familiar with because he was, you know, I will say that of all the New Japan wrestlers that have gone over to AEW, Ospreay's probably been treated with the most reverence outside of maybe Kazuchika Okada. He w- he has always been treated immediately as like, this is a big fucking deal. Treat him and Jay White and Okada like big deals. He, uh, well, of, he, he seems like, uh, such a deal like such a major deal it, it's, it's everything crazy. the look he has two guys behind him ready to come to his aid anytime they needed to aussie open who are now officially members of AEW. sad for the new japan tag division but great for AEW. you know they're like the Osprey, uh everything about osprey just like pops you know like it, mm-hmm. it's the t- the way he's been um you know uh presented to to like literally my type of like level of wrestling fandom is like it you have that it's like it watching him wrestle is is like when you start to like fall in love with uh, a band like that's how i feel each time i like see him i love that description because it's kind of like falling in love with a band who's recently made a huge stylistic change and is therefore getting themselves endeared to a larger audience. Osprey, uh, you know, starting out back in the mid aughts, you know, very much a ricochet type person and an immensely talented high flyer who clearly was ahead of the game. But if you weren't into, you know, your acrobatic wrestling, if you weren't into the flippy shit, you didn't necessarily love Will Osprey. But over the, you know, especially after Kenny leaving, uh, turning heel, turning on Okada, leaving Chaos, founding the United Empire, becoming heavyweight champion, really, really solidified him. You know, his his progression from high flyer with a ton of promise to quite possibly the best wrestler on the planet from a psychology uh, in-ring performance standpoint is nothing short of incredible. And... um. I think that Desmond's point speaks exactly to that. If somebody like this can show up on AEW television, have a match or two, and immediately have, you know, a bona fide wrestling fan, but somebody who doesn't watch Japan be like, oh, fuck, like, this guy is the real deal. You know what you're dealing with. Um, His match with Kenny Omega billed as the co-main event for Wrestle Kingdom this year, uh, still Six months later, arguably match of the year, Kenny Omega immediately looked back into form. Osprey was in tip-top shape after kind of dancing around this feud for years. And in all likelihood, so this is already, this is one of the two matches announced for Forbidden Door. Um, The smart money is on Kenny winning, uh, is on Osprey reclaiming it back from Kenny. But to be honest, I don't know right now because Kenny is clearly being pushed as a top face in AEW. Will they let him lose clean to Osprey? One thing I wanted to say too, uh, Desmond, you made a great point on like kind of 
New Japan speaking through its art as opposed to words and whether or not do you see us desperately begging Desmond to not hang up great point great point outstanding point well he's just the man of a thousand uh thousand good takes please don't hang up for me calling you Hulk Hogan (laughs) earlier um but yeah you know whether or not that's kind of the diction of wrestlers themselves where they want to like New Japan allows them to be flashy and stuff like that but like you know just they always hit a home run on style and uh, wardrobe choice and the way they look. Like, you don't even... If you see someone walking in with an emerald green fucking fur coat, you know this guy's a big fucking deal. And you have, you didn't have to see a minute of him in New Japan to understand it. Mm-hmm. Everything works. Every, like, the, the music, with the entrance, uh, with the gear, with the, with the way it's shot, it's... It's a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. He maybe has made the best like high flyer to heavyweight evolution I've ever seen from a wrestler. And that's saying that with due, to, due respect to people like Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, um, you know, people who you've watched kind of develop more and more. Osprey's just on another level. He really is. And so one of the two matches for Forbidden Door being announced here, and I trust Gato and Tony Khan to get this right because the easy money is, all right, Kenny kind of had the belt for six months, didn't do too much, time for Osprey to bring it back home. But if the story does continue, I trust them to be able to make it worthwhile. It's going to be kind of hard for Osprey to lose, you know. Agreed. I understand it. it's probably going to happen. Um. <laughs> His comments is like, I don't want to move to America, but and everybody took that as like, what do you mean? Or people are like, no, I completely understand that. But I think it's just like, you know, it's like he doesn't want to fucking move three thousand well, miles people, away. People got really, people get very upset when people in Japan are like, I like it here, and I don't want to go to America, or when, especially like when British wrestlers are like, I'm fine, I'm fine with. They're like, what do you mean? You don't want to go to a dub, bro? Like, the yeah, dub is the place. You, like, he's. He's it wasn't even literally a... a top guy. He's fine. Americans are such marks for themselves. It's truly, disgusting. Truly. Bro, for the, what do you mean you disgusting. don't want to live in Florida, bro? <laughs> yeah. For the business, too. Like They can't understand that they make, if not more money doing that in Japan than they would in the States. Yeah, man. Osprey. I don't want to eat chicken sandwiches and fucking catering as I wait to go on fucking rampage. Like, this, is part, you know? this is part of what makes Nakamura so interesting to me is that he did. He did. He's what? just li- he's like just li- he, like Nakamura like is in like Florida right now. Like think about that. He's sitting in Florida somewhere surfing. That man yeah. saw one Circle K gas station and fell in love. Well, Nakamura, it, you know, Nakamura accomplished everything to accomplish. So he's like, you know what? Down to Florida, I go. Here we <laughs> off we go, man. Um, so the next few matches, not too much I expect to deal with uh, Forbidden Door. Uh, catch 2-2, Francesco Akira and TJP defeating uh, Kushida and Kevin Knight for the IWGB Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions. The big swerve there is Clark Connors came out as a member of Bullet Club, announced that he wanted to challenge Catch 2-2, and then Dan Maloney, who had recently joined United Empire, uh, turned on them, which... Throughout the best of super juniors, he showed more of an edge, a different edge. So, uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to show up at Forbidden Door, though. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Osprey's there, so I could see United Empire representation as well. 
Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Jeff Cobb for his 10th defense of the NJPW World Television Championship. Uh, Zack, since leave since Suzuki Goon disbanding and joining up with the Mighty Don't Kneel uh, with Mikey Nichols, um, other guy of DK that I don't remember at the moment, uh, and Bronson Reed, Jonah. Um, he has been on a real hot streak. Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols. Uh, the relevant part of this is that if you've been paying attention to Ring of Honor, Zack Sabre Jr. has had some defenses of the TV championship and is in a little bit of a storyline with Samoa Joe talking about who is the best TV championship. It seems fairly likely that what we're going to get to here is you will get Samoa Joe versus Zack Sabre Jr. in a non-title match to determine who is the best TV championship. And I am here for that because ZSJ, one of the absolute best in the world, um, somebody like him going up against somebody like Samoa Joe, where he excels against larger opponents, but also somebody like Joe who has such a wide technical range of options at his disposal as well and who would prefer to work a more not plotting, but a slower pace. I expect that to be a fantastic match if it does end up getting made. Um, Before moving on with that, can we just say, I feel pretty confident in saying that Samoa Joe's king of TV reign while not getting as much TV time as I'd want because he's over at Ring of Honor uh, really, really has helped revitalize him at a time where not too long before that I thought he was maybe just going to retire. Yeah, I understand that. And, um, you know, we have to allow him to flourish in Ring of Honor if we want it to succeed, you know, if that makes sense. It feels like Ring of Honor, uh, the, the like relaunch of Ring of Honor is like the perfect place for Samoa Joe to get to find out what he has left and like what his relation, what he wants his relationship with like being an active wrestler to be at this point. Um, absolutely agreed and uh he he and 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 because you know he's looked like himself he it's it just keeps making you think all right i i think we can keep mm-hmm. raise and and the the more you then can trust that you can feature joe because that's been the the issue i mean wwe every time he was there he pretty quickly would start to get forward momentum and then would get hurt every single time yeah, you know, the only misstep you can ever really say with Joe is that they should have put the title on him against Brock. Like, not that I don't understand, like, you know, if you're going to have someone beat Brock Lesnar, who do you want it to be on WWE's perspective? That's fine. But outside of that, where it was, it felt fairly clear to viewers where it was like, this should have been the move. And even Brock thought it was the move. I agree with Desmond. You can't necessarily say he was mistreated. It really did feel like more of a, uh, of a, um, fuck, I had a, a, kind of almost like an RVD situation where obviously RVD was more for drugs, but just a situation where I don't know that I can trust this person at the top because I don't know what his availability is going to be like, especially with Samoa Joe's advanced age considering his injuries. Um, it's also how many stories can you tell with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I'm and I'm enjoying him in Ring of Honor. So I would expect to see ZSJ and Samoa Joe announced for Forbidden Door. The IWGP Samoa Joe had just dawned on me like Samoa Joe exists kind of in a uh 
uh, pink salmon jacket, Mark Henry era right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like this is him. Oh shit. You, you actually still got a lot left in the tank type of. Absolutely. Feeling. He has Absolutely. such a unique plane of existence in wrestling where like, you know, where one of his was, main he, things that pops a crowd is just walking away from a high flyer and nobody argues that that breaks kayfabe. Right. Well, also, you know, he was he was like top of the wrestling world in 2006. But like, if you didn't watch TNA, you wouldn't really know. And and one of the most highly regarded wrestlers today still. And, you know, he never really had a defining moment anywhere else since. And, and longest, way- he, was, he was the longest reigning Ring of Honor champion, right? Correct. Yeah, I agree. He is this. He was almost like the same thing as AJ Styles, except when AJ then went over to New Japan, became head of Bullet Club and went to WWE, his profile got raised so much more. But yeah, it's a good point. Like Samoa Joe has been one of the consistent top wrestlers in the world, but you wouldn't know that if you weren't necessarily paying attention. Yeah, like Um, if if you didn't watch wrestling between 2005 and 2010. Yeah, which is a lot of people, you know. He, he's been on every type of wrestling TV live promotion in the last ten years. <laughs> like, yeah, was he on? Um, like every was single he on Lucha one. Underground? No, right? No, he was I wouldn't be surprised. No, I, guess, if he was. I guess that's the only one that he wasn't. But on. in that era, he also was like in Noah and had like a match with Kenta Kabashi, one of like Kabashi's greatest matches, and later on in his career. And that was uh, actually I I don't know if it was a Noah event or a Ring of Honor event. It might have been like a Super Card of Honor situation, but he's the one responsible for like making sure Kenta Kobashi got his flowers in front of a Western audience who went fucking nuts for him. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to see him doing what he's doing. Uh the IWGP tag titles were decided um after Aussie Open had to vacate due to Mark Davis's injury and that shortly was then followed by uh his partner going to AEW and having a match against Orange Cassidy, right? Yeah. Um so having a match uh that was uh Kyle Fletcher and then they announced that he was with AEW. So in their stead they announced it was gonna be Great O'Connor and Aaron Hanari of the United Empire. So anyway Bishamon, uh, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi defeated the House of Torture and United Empire for that. The only relevant part here is, like I said, this is a result of Aussie Open vacating and then moving to AEW. But I wouldn't be shocked to see Bishamon, especially because of what we're leading to. Chaos is going to be in the main event. Uh, David Finlay defeating El Phantasmo for the Never Openweight Championship. Only thing to say here is that David Finlay, the new leader of Bullet Club after kind of unofficially kicking Jay White out. He is starting to develop a brand of Bullet Club where he's calling it Savages Only, and they've picked up people like Dan Maloney, Clark Connors, Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, and really kind of developing this interesting roster of, like, they don't necessarily cheat. They just kick the ever-loving shit out of you and are meanie heads. So I'm okay with that. Um, It sounds like an, an O'Doyle rules gimmick. Yeah, kind of. He's David is basically trying to channel his father, Fit Finlay, and be like, this is what I want Bullet Club to be. Uh, Bullet Club will absolutely show up on Forbidden Door. 
I entirely expect David Finlay and Jay White to have some sort of crossover, especially David Finlay being partners, former partners with Juice Robinson, also in AEW now. So I, I expect to see them for sure. I don't. So, I'm not like entirely dismissive of him being able to do it because I kind of was with Jay White when he first started taking over shit. And look what he ended up doing. And, you know, whether or not David is on or will be on Jay White's level is another story to be told. But I think that he presents, you know, it's not necessarily a high flyer. He's more like a a brute guy, if I'm correct. He's a brawler. He's a brawler like his dad. So it's going to be a little bit more flash. It's going to be interesting to bring back Bullet Club. I mean, shit, what is this, the fifth iteration, sixth well, iteration? This, this this will, depending on how you look at it, right? First iteration, Prince Devitt as the leader, followed by AJ Styles, followed by uh, Kenny Omega, followed, well, technically in between AJ and Kenny was, or in between Devitt and AJ was Carl Anderson, but whatever. Kenny to Jay White to Finlay. So, yeah, I, I enjoy a Bullet Club where Chris Carlton on, on New Japan's uh, commentary said it best. Uh, you know, under Kenny and Jay White, it became a global brand. Hey, let's get shirts into Hot Topic. Let's be merch movers. And under David Finley, it kind of seems like it's more like, hey, let's win wrestling matches. Yeah, um, and like they need to do that. Like they do. Yeah. I I agree, hundred percent. Because like so, bullet clubs are just like this omnipresent thing in wrestling, and I don't know if it's gonna ever have a definitive end or begin. Like, sorry, I don't know if it's gonna ever have a definitive end to it. I suppose when you know the. Like the Samoans and the Tongans leave, or whoever, whoever's yeah, even the left. The Tongans already left. Yeah, Tongans that's already true. left. The yeah. only one, the only original there is Fale, who's busy working on his dojo in uh, uh, New Zealand. So, uh, Bullet Club, I don't think will ever die, and I therefore I want Finlay to get his his flowers and see how he can do. Um, Hiromu Takahashi. Ended up defeating Master Wato, the winner of the Best of Super Juniors, retaining the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. The relevance to Forbidden Door here being Hiromu has routinely said that he absolutely wants to perform in America. With him having the title on him, I fully expect that he will show up. But against two, not quite sure. Uh, But this leads us to the two most important matches of the night, especially for Forbidden Door. Uh, the main event, Sonata, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, defeating a returning Yoda Suji in his first match back from Excursion. The main thing I want everyone to take away from this is A, Forbidden Door, Sonata will be walking in as champion. He will absolutely be there. In what capacity? We don't know, but he will show up. But Yoda Suji, the returning young lion, looked like a fucking star. It looked really close to him beating Sonata on his first go for the championship and for somebody like desmond who you know is only gonna pay so much attention just the name yoda suji keep that burned in the brain because if he does get a chance to show off in forbidden door people are gonna see this this dude is a star in the making if he's not already one uh and he will be a future world champion an incredible showing here um, can we just cycle back real quick? Yes. What can you tell us about Kosei Fujita? What can I tell you about Kosei Fujita? Yeah, because he was. I mean, like, I is he a? I saw his name. Was he a young lion or? Kosei Fujita uh, is 
Oh, yes. So Kosei Fujita, one of the current Young Lions, okay. uh, is somebody that ZSJ has started kind of taking under his wing and made him an official part of TMDK, meaning that he's one of the first Young Lions that has ever been a official part of a faction before leaving for Excursion. Um, it doesn't happen that frequently. Yuya Uimura was like kind of in lion's mark with tanahashi but uh, hentai but not really hentai sorry not hentai <laughs> no there's no faction in nice hentai. yes yes um, <laughs> yes 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 finally uh but but you have to kind of go back to um ah fuck under aj there was a member of bullet club somebody's son who was uh oh uh I think it might have been Michael Elgin. Or nah, it wasn't Michael Elgin. No, it was uh it was I believe Bulldog's son. Oh, uh, Harry Smith. I Junior. Be I believe so. But I'm probably going to end up getting this wrong. Whatever, I'll talk about it later. It'll come up at some point. More like David Hyde Park, am I right? Ah. Uh, uh, got him. <laughs> Um. Nah, whatever. I'm not gonna keep looking. There was somebody who was under Bullet Club. It was a person. It's I don't know that it's Bulldog Sun, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, that's who Fujita is. Fujita is, is a young line whose ESJ has taken under his wing. Um, and is brought him into TMDK. Got it. So wait. Uh, sorry to keep backtracking here. Zack Saber Jr. It's it's confirmed that him and Joe are the match. It's not confirmed. But okay. with everything they've shown on Ring of Honor TV, ZSJ and Joe tagged up actually against, want to say it was Alex Shelley and uh, it was either those two versus Alex Shelley and Christopher Daniels or it was like, yeah, that's what it was. It was ZSJ and Samoa Joe versus Alex Shelley and, and uh, Christopher Daniels and whoever won would have gotten a shot at those belts or Alex Shelley would have. So I have, I, uh, what if it was a three-way match with uh, Orange Cassidy? So you Ring of Honor, AEW. Like Japan. if you're looking at the International Championship as like a similar TV thing, I feel like it'd be more likely to see a TNT title shot. However, Orange Cassidy as champion is 100% going to be involved somehow. So yeah, yeah. it's it just because it feels possible. it feels like it feels like Zack Sabre Jr. and, and Orange Cassidy would be pretty bonkers no that i mean that's definitely possible and, and i think the exciting part about forbidden door is aside from certain people you've got a lot of people healthy and so we have a lot that we can expect cody hall it was cody hall oh that's, scott hall's son that's that's who it was cody hall was the young line who was an official member of bullet club um yeah so that's definitely possible but i would expect at least CSJ Samojo to be announced sooner rather than later. But the main match of Dominion that directly ties to Forbidden Door officially is the never open weight six man championship match. Uh, the champions of Kazuchika Okada and Tam Tamahiro Ishii with Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Shota Umino. Moxley's first appearance in Japan possibly since the G1 or the last time he defended the U.S. title. Uh, 
Claudio Castagnoli's first ever appearance in New Japan and Shota Umino, who interestingly, as part of the same Young Lion class as Yoda Suji, has been presented as this Tanahashi-like face, but who then is with Blackpool Combat Club because as a Young Lion, John Moxley kicked the ever-loving shit out of him uh, after leaving WWE and then said, you're my young boy now. And now there's just that relationship. And so Shota Umino, this fucking rah-rah face, uses the paradigm shift, the Death Rider in Japan, as a finisher. And so he's like, hi, Dad, I will join you for this match now. Um, This was the match. Pretty gnarly. Sounds pretty fucking gnarly storyline. It's a very cool storyline. This was the match of the night. Everybody had fantastic, uh, fantastic chemistry. Claudio Castagnoli spun Kazuchika Okada around like 30 times. It was extremely impressive considering Okada is like 6'4", 250. Uh, ultimately, Chaos would win as I think Okada pinned Shota Umino. So there's two things at play here. So after this match, Moxley said, uh, we're not done here. We got a message for Kazuchika Okada, the supposed best wrestler in the world and that message was from the american dragon brian danielson telling kazuchika okada that they call you the rainmaker but you're about to enter the fucking desert uh you think you're the best i know i'm the best i want you at forbidden door kazuchika okada immediately accepted and even went so far as to accept in english which like i think i can count on one hand the amount of times okada spoke in english um So that was an officially confirmed match. Probably, if not the main event, the co-main event, as I would probably expect Kenny and Will Ospreay to main event. But the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, will be facing Kazuchika Okada. This is a match that has never happened in wrestling history. This it's, is... a, it's a smash, man. I, this is one... I'm, I'm t- I, I haven't done the whole thing of like seeing an AEW show uh, in a movie theater, I think this might be, this wow. might be a, a really good one. You know, if it's like, shown, it I feels, would be interested. It, it feels, it feels like, uh, you know, to your point. And, and I think uh, Doyle earlier said something about like, everyone's going to go light the next couple weeks to make sure that, that we actually get, because last year, the two guys that, that you probably were most interested in were seeing, who they were going to have CM Punk, like the concept of CM Punk being a part of this, mm-hmm. and and uh, Brian Danielson, the the you know less than a year prior to that, Daniel Bryan is about to be in Forbidden Door, and Brian Danielson, who was supposed to face Zack Saber Jr., which is what ultimately led to Claudio Castagnoli's arrival in AEW at Forbidden Door, but that was originally supposed to be wow. Damn. Can they just like add just two more matches and then that's it? That's all I need. This like, is make each now, each match an hour each. Now I think I think so so there are two things interesting at play here. First off, upon Danielson's video being played with Japanese subtitles, the entirety of Osaka Joe Hall broke out into yes chance. Brian Danielson has worked in Japan somewhat, if not extremely extensively, but for Danielson to be getting yes chance against Okada in Japan after Okada wins a match is like unparalleled levels of hype. But also this is, to the second point here, 
Desmond, who again, as we've established, is not somebody that's able to keep up with New Japan, just doesn't have the time. Kazuchika Okada is one of those few wrestlers in Japan who wrestling fans know, and you're able to just look at this as like, oh, fuck, that's a big deal. That's a big deal match that just got made. Um, But I'd be curious, you know, Desmond, obviously experience with Kazuchika Okada at Forbidden Door last year, but in a four-way match very differently. What is what you know about Okada, if anything? That he's just like the perfect man. Like that's kind of just his. He his, is very pretty. Like yes. he's he's pretty. He he carries himself a li- like. Uh, it it like he he has like Ozymandias vibes from like uh, Watchmen. I like that. Yes, ah. yes. Like like he just has the. He's not he's not menacing like like uh, Ozymandias, but there's just this like. He's the power. best around, and that is what it is. Yeah, the, and and. Uh, I I and I've I've seen his like whenever there's like a big match on uh, squared circle there's always like a, a twelve minute cut of like the like meat of the match and mm-hmm. uh, and the guy is just an all around performer like it's and that's really all there is to know when it comes to Okada is he's. There's a lot of wrestlers that are the best in the world. Um, but Kazuchika Okada since 2012 is probably the best wrestler in the world. Kazuchika Okada at the age of 34 could retire right now and immediately. Honestly, he could have retired four years ago at 30 and he would have been one of the top five greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. It's so good he's only 34. 34. I mean, I know that that's very selfish 34. for me to say. But, well, this will, right, so, look, classic, classic, Danny, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the Japan 45 minutes later, but uh, the this match ties into the larger conversation here, because aside from Kazuchika Okada versus Brian Danielson being made official, uh, and therefore giving us one of the, you know, the term dream match gets thrown around far too much, and a lot of that is AEW's fault. Like, WWE and AEW are equally responsible for destroying that term uh, as far as something that means anything. But Brian Danielson, Kazuchika Okada is one of the very few matches in wrestling where these are two top guys that have never faced each other throughout their careers. And while, sure, technically you could say Danielson's out of his prime, this is as close to both of their primes as you can expect to get. And you're going to get that at forbidden door. And this is also a great example of how like wrestling doesn't need belts in every single important storyline to matter. Sometimes the story can be these two are the best in the world and now they're going to wrestle and that's it. That's the spectacle. That's what you want to see. Um, But the second storyline here and the one that ties into our, the conversation I want to have tonight is so in the G1 Climax 33 was announced. It will again be, I believe, in August, and it'll again be four blocks. So following Forbidden Door. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, but a couple of brand new ones as well. Notably, you are not getting Brian Danielson in the G1, but you are getting the Mad King Eddie Kingston, which is an absolutely fan-fucking- fantastic entry like 
he is gonna fucking he's gonna fit in so well with his style. And I'm very excited for Eddie. Eddie Kingston. Let's rewind the clocks a little bit. Eddie Kingston, what, three years ago? Chikara doesn't exist anymore. He's fucked around here, fucked around there. Answers an open challenge uh, for Cody Rhodes' TNT championship. Gets his entire character understood and over within one simple 90-second so promo. And now, three, four years later, is the only AEW representative in the G1 Climax, the single most important tournament in Japanese wrestling, and dare I say the most well-known and important tournament period in professional wrestling. The gold standard. The most esteemed one, again. Like it, Absolutely. It's like, it, it's like, oh no, this is uh, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's Eddie Kingston's. It's not Brian Danielson's. It's not Kenny Omega's. It's not MJF's. It's not one of the pillars. It's Eddie fucking Kingston. Can we just talk about how fucking nice it is for Eddie Kingston to be getting his flowers. He's not the greatest wrestler in the world. He's not the greatest promo in the world. But what he is, he's an excellent promo, but he's not the best in the world. But what Eddie Kingston is, is maybe the last wrestler you could believe is real. The last guy whose character is not playing a character, whose in-ring performance is solid, it's memorable because it's unmemorable. Eddie Kingston is just, he went from a good hand to a guy that is the ultimate bridge of Eastern wrestling and Western wrestling. He's sort of like a gilded ECW guy, you know, like one of the mm-hmm. last remaining ones. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely just like one of those guys. Like you found him in the fucking, you found him in some bodega in the Bronx. 10, year, like, 10 oh, years wrestle, before, right? 10 years before. And he's feuding with Sandman. Yeah. Ten years oh, before, and he is Sandman. I completely agree with that. That's a great. He, that's a great he, point. He's like such a just great mix of like brutality with like clear like uh, creative like uh, like deliberate presentation. You know what I mean? Like like he knows how he comes off and has like curated it in such a perfect way. And like this unspoken tension, whether or not it's it's real, assuredly it is. But like. The unspoken tension that just always follows him around. And it's just like, if you don't know how he was back in the day, you know, why all these people just like come out right and just talk shit about him? Why does he come out right and talk shit about people? You know, it's like he carries that so well with him and he know he understands his faults. He understands he could be in a better position. But I mean, shit, dude, like man's about to fight in the G1. So you can make the argument that he's probably like how how much better could it get for him you know the man as a direct result of aw got to wrestle his all-time idol jun akiyama in a one-on-one like and now is the aw representative in g in the g1 a promo that will live in my head until the day my head no longer lives on this earth is his final promo before Moxley, before uh, before their title match against Moxley, where he went, you think this is a fucking storyline? This is real for me. This is the realest shit you're going to see. 
I'm taking that tattle from you. Where Moxley comes back talking about breaking bread at your mother's table, swearing. It, it, it was the hokiest, most soap opera shit. But Eddie Kingston told you everything that mattered. Because Eddie Kingston's storyline is the same in almost every single feud he's ever been in. But because that storyline is I've either been wronged or want to wrong you, you never stop caring. He's a despicable, gross heel, and he's the most endearing babyface. And he never really changes, aside from either acknowledging that he does bad shit and feels bad about it in that moment, or acknowledges he does bad shit and doesn't feel bad about it. That's Desmond, it. I always I always tell Damien that I compare Eddie Kingston to that one guy in your high school that sold weed and was pretty much a scumbag. But, you know, when he showed up at parties, and everybody like, groaned when he showed up. But, like, you would have a special connection with him and you would kind of understand his faults. You know, it's like, well, if I'm a scumbag, then I'm just going to be a scumbag. And then, like, he would do something, like, something would get blamed on him at the party and he would get all pissed off and leave. And you're like, you know what? He's actually not such a bad guy. It seems to me that you've struck a nerve here. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> Desmond's got a name in his head here. That's just, uh, I mean, that's just so specific, man. That was a lot. Like, like... <laughs> it, it was, you went from, it's just the guy, you used to say Eddie Kingston is the guy who sells weed at the school, but has a heart of gold. And then you were like, Desmond, you know how, like, there's that one guy in high school who, like, Touched a girl inappropriately, but he's like no, no, kind no, no, of no, a no, good no, guy no. also. No, he just like maybe, you know, sold some perks and like stole some some of your dad's CDs at your party. But, you know, you kind of liked him. He was on your like if you needed to be in a fight, you knew that you can call on him. And we needed some guys like that in high school, you know. Uh, man, ma male friendships in high school. Absolute, absolute <laughs> hellhole. Yeah, yeah. This absolute gutter. Yeah, I did yeah. want to say, though, uh, I mean, if you recall, and Desmond, the speech that he gave at uh, after Grand Slam. When yes. I don't know, I don't know if that was ultimately televised. I know it was the Rampage portion. It of the wasn't. Night, but... I think it was put on YouTube, but that specific speech was not televised. But we yeah. witnessed it being in the crowd. And it was so clear, like, you know, not for nothing. Eddie Kingston is the reason in kayfabe that Jay White is not allowed to be in New Japan. That's Eddie right. Kingston fought Jay, Jay White at a New Japan US event and beat him. And the stipulation was he can't show up to New Japan anymore. And if he tries to show up in AEW, he has to get Eddie's permission. Man. Wait, that's I didn't know about that stipulation. That's the stipulation. <laughs> They're letting it ride for now. But Eddie and Jay are going to feud and that's what's going to come up. And I'm very excited. Man, AEW so badly needs Eddie Kingston, Jay White feud. Yeah, I run, need like run that shit for three, three. Like from now, have that be your 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 all out match. The quick aside is that I am fine with you know getting Jay over with the audience by sticking him with Ricky because Jay is one of very few wrestlers on the roster that has just as much charisma as Ricky, who can talk Ricky out of a room as well as Ricky can talk him out of a room. Jay is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And, um, but yeah, Eddie Kingston, Jay is like a longer standing feud. And I'm very excited for that to happen. Not to mention Jay Adam. Jay has still not actually come into contact with Kenny Omega since Kenny left new Japan. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of shit going on there. But point being, I just, you know, aside from an aside from an aside from an aside, 
I just love that this is where Eddie Kingston finds himself. And I hope that he's just having the most fulfilling career at this point. I hope I hope that whatever part of Eddie Kingston can be happy is happy. Nothing was more life affirming than I suppose the last it wasn't for I don't think it was Forbidden Door. When did he face Jericho? Uh what was that? Maybe was it was that... double or nothing last year? Maybe. Was it no was that revolution? Or was Revolution the MJF match? Regardless, when he faced Jericho and then like he just like afterwards he just walks up and is just like like ready to shake his head and <laughs> Jericho's like, no. Um, I also love that Eddie Kingston seems to be the only guy that remembers Kefe because when Claudio showed up mm-hmm. to AEW, Eddie Kingston was like, uh-uh, on site, on site <laughs> for him, on site, hate him. And like even after they won the uh what what it what is it? Blood blood in a cell, blood and guts. Whatever, yeah, blood and guts, I think it war, was. War war blood, blood games. Yeah. Uh after the blood and guts match, Claudio wins it, and Eddie like looks over at him and he like gives him a half hearted handshake and then just feels gross about it. Like, love that. Love that Eddie Kingston just holds a well, grudge y- for him. You're forgetting also that like Eddie was about to get the the decision because he had I yes. think he had someone in, in a submission or yes, or, yes, yes, like, yes. You're right. Up. He had him but, like the bulldog or some shit. But Cla- Claudio just beats like just beats him to it. Like get gets his like finish. That's or... right, because he's on top of the cage and he like looks over at like I, I don't remember if it was Bryce Rimsberg or somebody else, but he like looks over at the ref and he's like, the fuck? The fuck I was going to win. <laughs> um, whatever. Anyway, uh, to, to, to on a side, right. The G1, um, Eddie Kingston, the lone AEW entrant, the largest, biggest surprise was Kaido Kiyomiya, the ace of pro, of pro wrestling Noah showing up in the G1. Now how this ties into the way back conversation about Kazuchika Okada and younger talent, as we transition to that, to end this out tonight, the long-running storyline for Kazuchika Okada since a little bit before he lost the world championship to uh, I, yeah, while he was still champion is Okada is starting to transition into the Jumbo Saruta in AJPW role of I hate kids that think they can be at the top of a card and I will injure them and I will hurt them. Uh, Taito Kiyomiya Leading up to a Wrestle Kingdom, not a, well at Wrestle Kingdom, which would eventually lead to a match between Okada and Kiyomiya at Keiji Mudo's last ever match card. Oh, is it the shoot uh, fight? This is this is the shoot worked, not shoot worked fight where Kaido uh, kicked Okada in the face, and then Okada proceeded to pummel the ever loving shit out of Kaido Kiyomiya, and it was one of the best work shoots I've ever seen. And the storyline there is that since the year before, Kaido Kiyomiya has been like, Okada, I want you. I'm going to challenge you. And Okada's like, I don't know who you are. I don't care about you. The Don Draper. And just, yeah, it just sunned him. Uh, Beat him so bad that at the the year before, Kaido Kiyomiya started crying. And Okada literally pushed him out of the ring and was like, get the fuck home. Go, scooch. Uh, in this match, Okada was the one that pinned Shota Umino after Umino tried to sun him and then unlocked murder Okada. Okada is kicking the shit out of any young person that goes anywhere near him thinking they can go to the top of the card. 
Now, how this leads into the yes, Desmond, you have a question or a statement? Well, it's just uh, like the way you've described this this Okada period. Uh, would it be fair to say like the WWE comp would be the from U.S. Open Challenge to end of active period John Cena? I was about an to say and an outstanding point. A, like Cena's slightly less aggressive physically, but definitely in the way that he talks down to the younger talent that tries to step to him. It's such like an ingenious way to promote your it's like a gorilla like way of building up your young talent base because you're not necessarily Okada will remain Okada and you know he could still be a face but he hates fucking young lions well, and they don't have to like... have matches they just have to have interactions you know what I mean Well you know what makes it great is Minoru Suzuki's gimmick for like the last decade has been if you go near him and you're a young lion, Suzuki will beat you up. Like to the point where our commentary talks about like young lions need to stay away from Suzuki. Lance Archer does it as well. But what makes Okada's cool is like, so I mentioned Jumbo Saruta. Jumbo Saruta, the ace of new of all Japan in the early to mid late eighties, uh, taking over from Genichiro Tenryu and Baba. Once people like Matsuhiro Masawa, and Kenta Kobashi and Akira Toei and Toshiaki Kawada started coming up through the ranks. Saruta's sole purpose in life became to kill them. That was it. That's all Saruta cared about anymore is I'm going to kill you people because you're trying to come from my spot. Okada is doing very much the same thing, but it is a great like what makes it different is Jumbo Saruta was just like angry, grumpy old man. And that's kind of always been his gimmick, even when he was younger. Uh, but Okada has always been the brash young piece of shit. He made his career by showing up in 2012, upstaging Hiroshi Tanahashi and then beating him in his first ever IWGP heavyweight title defense. Okada now finds himself on the receiving end of that. Uh, those you know, young lions wanting to come back from excursion and prove themselves. But Okada is like, eh, ba, da, 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 da. no, 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 I was you. You're not going to be me. And so where this leads us is I wanted to facilitate a conversation about younger talent. And how do we think the various promotions that we care about are working in younger talent with established talent with moving out aging talent or you know people that are a little past their prime or who shouldn't be at the top of the card anymore and the way to start this is to talk about the fact that Kazuchika Okada the undisputed ace of New Japan is putting over these younger people by simply acknowledging them at all it's very akin to uh Velveteen Dream's storyline with Alistair Black in NXT, where all he wanted was to be acknowledged. Um, New Japan this past year has done a fantastic job of working in younger talent. Shota Umino, he's got a ways to go, but he's connecting with the crowd. There's something there. Master Wato started off weird. Fast forward, now he's winning the best of Super Juniors, and there's an undeniable energy around him. Yota Suji coming in, immediately getting a title shot, looking like a million bucks. Ren Narita... Uh, prodigal son of uh, Katsuyori Shibata coming and joining up with Suzuki in strong style. Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin and Clark Connors graduating from the LA Dojo and joining up with Bullet Club. 
um, you are seeing this really excellent, not quite changing of the guard, but you're watching young stars get built before your eyes by being placed in positions where they can succeed. Because Gato and the company is saying, you know what? Okada, Naito, Sonata, these guys can take us for the next 10 years. But you know what? We have to continue to build. And that has always been a problem with New Japan. They're very slow to bring up younger talent. But they're doing a much better job right now, not just with foreigners like Mike Bailey and Leo Rush, but also with foreign with, with domestic talent. Is that their... Osprey. So I was going to ask, is that like their desire to continue the adherence of you have to, this is a certain way to do it. You have to be a young lion. You have to fuck. Yeah. So like, yeah. do you think they're starting to challenge that or is that's just well, always going to the way it's going to be? I think that it's the way that it is. However, what you're seeing is maybe excursion doesn't have to last as long. Maybe Fujita can join up with TMDK and learn from Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe it's okay to start putting young lines in other positions to succeed where they don't have to go over established stars, where maybe once in a while they do go over an established star. Um, what you're seeing is a willingness to put new where a willingness to put talent in a place to succeed where they haven't always been great at that before. We create this parallel to AEW, where a double or nothing, the main event, the four pillars match. Now, say what you want about whether you think those four guys are the four pillars or how you feel about that term in general. But the bottom line is, AEW hedged their bets on the young talent of the future. And while the pay-per-view was okay, that match showed how bright the future is for AEW. But... Let's turn this over to Desmond for a second. Desmond, you look at AEW, you look at WWE. Let's compare this a little bit to New Japan. Let's compare this a little bit to the failings of WCW in the wake of people like Guerrero and Mysterio and and uh, he who shall not be named. What is the name we usually use for him, Ryan? Uh, Stephen Richards or Chris Stephen Benoit. Richards, yes. Well, we're talking about Chris Benoit, but usually you say Stephen Richards. So compare this to the failings of WCW and what we're seeing now. How do you feel AEW and WWE are starting to cycle in young talent and how they have been doing over the past few years? Mute. Yeah. I was muted. Uh, I I think WWE has, has surprisingly had a pretty good changing of the guard uh, in the past, like, two years. The, like the post-pandemic WWE has seen like a pretty considerable amount of turnover from where it was um, January 2020. Roster-wise, production-wise, presentation-wise, like the scale, the hierarchy of the of the kayfabe has completely changed in a lot of ways. Um, and and you know you're starting to see like Seth Rollins is now just a he is now a a champ, a main event champ. But it's also like he is all the video packages are like kind of like telling you this is one of the standard bearers like of, of the kayfabe that we're presenting you with. You know what I mean? And uh, and I because not just the level I'm doing it, but the, the longevity of how long I've been doing it and how many moments and how many different guys I've been. Um, he uh, like I, I think like W like and then. 
after that, it, you, you, you're seeing Montez Ford. Gunther is like, Gunther's like one of the, the, the going to be one of the most interesting wrestlers to watch in the next three years. Um, easy, I think. Uh, and uh, like, I think, so, so, so WWE, I think, is, has done a pretty good job of, of starting to bring people in. Rhea, you know? Like uh, people and people that are like uh, finally having the training wheels off. Like there's a lot of people that are having training wheels off moments or we're finally we're finally giving you the ball. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, like. Go like we're we're, we're giving you so much, uh, so much mic time, match time, like main story time. Uh Whereas AEW has been interesting because as a brand, it existed to be the new thing. And, uh, and it's just been interesting how in the three years since it's, uh, it's just become a, it's become a bit of a mess. It's it's a beautiful mess uh, sometimes. And sometimes it's just a mess. Um, Not to interrupt you, but you know, that's an interesting point. Now, when you say that, are you referring to like when WWF split off from NWA or are you talking like more recently? Um, With regards to WWE being like a like starting off as like the new thing. No, no, no. I'm saying uh, AEW. Oh, AEW. Okay. AEW is like starting out. Their whole thing was that we are the new. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like and and it seemed like very, from the jump it was about like establishing people that you may have heard of and were you know be, being greatly helped by Jericho and Moxley like from the jump uh and and to a lesser extent Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. um like you had um that was that was like what AEW was and everything felt new and it's been interesting. The I, part of why the whole disjointedness and mehness of of double or nothing is just like I'm not sure what's what's the foreground or the background in in AEW anymore. Like I'm, it 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 seems like everything's flying all over the place. I don't know what the main thing that I'm supposed to look at is, and you know, and that's a shame because the four pillars. I think. Uh. I'm like not huge on any of the guys outside of MJF to be honest with you, but like I, I I think there's way better four that you could do a four pillars of of AEW type thing with way there's there's definitely better ones that that you know are still relatively new in like the mainstream television audience eye. So um, yeah, I. Man, yeah. right. no, I completely agree with that, and uh, I almost go to say that like AEW is kind of dropping the ball in a way because whether it was necessity for them to immediately push young stars in AEW just because they you know they had to fill out their roster and they wanted exactly what you said, Damian. Here's the guys that you know. Here's the guys that you should be watching, and then you have guys like. Uh, Jungle Jack Perry. You have guys like Sammy Guevara who. Like this is supposed to be their coming out match, or like their fine, their like fi- their final ascent to the beginning of the pinnacle of the company. Like, listen, he's fucking annoying, but Sammy Guevara proved himself time and time again in the last couple of years. Jr. made a great point. He's like, why 
are Wardlow and Hobbs on every other week when they should be on every week, you know? And I understand that you have to give time to, it doesn't necessarily work like that in the business these days. Um, especially with two, now three other programs that you're going to have under your belt. But I don't know. It's kind of like they almost made a mistake about throwing those guys into the fire so soon, you know, giving them attention, giving them the big shining moments in order, not necessarily the wrestler to get over, but the product to get over is that now we're sitting three years later with some guys and we're just waiting on it. And it's almost like with Hobbs, like me and Damien had a 15 minute discussion about Hobbs, how like, you know, this is the time to strike. It can't be any more perfect than this. And what did it result in? It resulted in him winning. Okay, cool. And then they throw him in like this fucking, you know, whether it's not he can, he's a bad promo, but like they throw him in like this weird managerial partnership with QT Marshall. QT Marshall. And he's, oh my God. He loses two weeks later and it's kind of like, oh, okay. The word love again. Well, you know, so I like this point. And here's something I want to kind of remind people of. So I have said repeatedly that it's always been strange to me that Adam Page has never been considered a pillar when you could make an argument that the company has been built around him from day one. Like the elite said it, the buck said it, Kenny said it, the biggest, most important storyline in AEW belongs to Adam Page. But here's something else that I want to just point out real quick. Adam Page is, in fact, older than all four of the pillars, but not by much. Adam Page is 31. Uh, Jungle Boy is 25. MJF is 27. Darby Allen is 30. And Sammy Guevara is 29. Jay White is 30. Powerhouse Hobbs is 32. Wardlow is 35. What this points to is, I will say this, as somebody who loves the idea of AEW believing in these four guys, not because necessarily of their age, but because they view them as their guys, right? And indisputably, those four guys are their guys, right? Love Create-A-Pro, but Create-A-Pro is the feeder that led MJF to AEW, right? Darby Allen was working the indies. Jungle Boy working it, Sammy working it. Like, none of them were known before AEW. So I understand that. Maybe that's how they're looking at it with Adam Page. Adam Page was in Ring of Honor. He was in New Japan. But he wasn't known. So, all right, let's open that up to Desmond. Let's open that question that Ryan just posed to Desmond. Do you think that AEW is building around the wrong young wrestlers? Do you think that they are hindering young talent in such a way where despite the focus on younger talent, they may be boning themselves. I mean, I think the problem is just, uh, just or like organizational mismanagement of the product as a whole, I think is hurting. Like the, the disorganized booking is, is leading to situations like this where, you know, AW has four, I know now it's forbidden. The the number is a little bit, you know, more now, but basically it's a quarterly pay-per-view type thing. That's a lot of hype to live up to. And uh the match was awesome, right? But the 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 booking overexposed a lot of the guys. Um it made it it made it apparent to me that that you know, MJF is in a class uh, you know, I, I think by himself. I, I think Darby is like is able to to hang in that class. I'm not I'm not entirely sold on him being able to like stay like 
in a long top of the card program for like multiple months on end. Um, but I, he, he's definitely like a guy. And then the other two, eh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think they're awesome in their matches, but like they're, there's just too frequently the, the, the botches on the mic and, and the like meta discomfort around their inability to cut promos is just, uh, I don't know. It, it it overexposed the guys, and and you know this is why on some level this is where the all the the brawl out bullshit has fucked up so much because losing the star power that you had, like you you lost uh, how the the elite were out for for how many months? Five. Yeah, five, and that's not even counting the fact that Kenny was straight up out for a year before that. And and uh, Hangman was out for some of that. The, like, wasn't there overlap with Hangman being? Out? Yeah, he, he got, like, he got injured, unfairly yeah. punished too. Yeah, I got. I mean, it was an injury. I thought they were just like, listen. I, I think to... it was both, but yeah, like Hangman got brought into that, and so to loop this around, right? Because there's always plans here, right? There's always mm-hmm. schemes. Um, we look at the way that AEW feels like they're focusing on the younger talent, and look. Look, you can't say they're not trying, right? There's a difference between you're not pushing the right people and you're not pushing anyone young, right? They're given time to who they think they should give time to. It's younger, homegrown talent. I respect it. But a big reason why this feels so weird, to Desmond's point, all this is happening. Meanwhile, what actually feels like what's happening is you're building an entire new show for... CM Punk, who is not young, homegrown talent. And look, look, get it. I get it. Punk, one of the biggest draws of the last 10, 15, 20 years. I will not dispute that the man can move money that when he's invested in a storyline, it works. But but, 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 that's fine. All of that's fine. But AW seems like they're trying to tell us, look at how the how bright the future is. But it also feels like the future is entirely tangled up with somebody on the south side of 40 with a fuck ton of attitude issues, who is the whole reason why your company, like, fine, let's not say the whole reason, but a huge fucking part of why your company feels like it's lost so much momentum. And, you know, they say that the best ability is availability. Well, let's not forget that even before Brawl Out, CM Punk also just injured himself constantly, all the time. Can I repurpose the question to two points for you guys? You can, and you can speak while I pee. Sure. I'll just cut it out. All right. I'll ask you then, Des- Desmond. Is AEW's situation unique to where we're not necessarily want the younger talent to be built up, but we're, it's more a desire to see original characters built up? And are is the audience kind of in blame to this because we always want that like nostalgia spaceship to come down and we want to see our guys again and we want to see older guys like Daniel Bryan wrestle certain guys three ways over when that spot should probably be taken up by somebody else. Mute. Can you maybe maybe uh, condense the question a little bit for me? Sure, I'll do it. I'll do two parter. Yeah. Is AEW's situation unique to where we're not necessarily wanting younger talent to be built up, rather original characters? I think I think for that one, um, I think 
I think it is more, uh, you know, wanting individual it see. And this is where like, I struggle for the answer because it doesn't feel, it hasn't felt like this in a while, but that was kind of the draw as I, as, like, as I was uh, trying to portray it, like when AEW came out, everything about it was like, this is the new wrestling television, uh, like company, like this is the new one. And, uh, and I think like building, ca watching characters be built up, watching Darby be built up. When Sting showed up, like to me, that was like when Sting showed up at, at, at a, like Winter's Coming, I think was a, a monumental, uh, like. It was like moment. sort of a bridging of two eras. Yeah, it, it was, it was uh, at, like in the same show, you had all these, all these talents. Right, so it's not crazy to think that there was an organic sense of AEW because they didn't have to put Hangman in their first championship match, but yeah. they did, and it worked, you know, yeah. because you had someone going against Chris Jericho, and right out the gate, they were ready to go with these guys. And yeah, you know, they wanted to, they had to get some of these guys that were left off, cast off by WWE, and whether or not you want to put on your fucking tinfoil hat, and WWE flooded the free agent market, so... You know, Tony Khan would sort of had a, have a paradox of choice where, like, he had all these guys ready to be at his disposal, but fitting them in didn't really necessarily work. And because of that, you burned in the younger talent to where at points in the AEW 1.0, when those guys were ready to get over, they were sort of hampered by, oh, shit, you know, we just signed Adam Cole. Like, oh, shit, we just signed uh, Brian Danielson, you know. Do you think they, uh, there was like mean, a disconnect in between there and now? Oh yeah, I, I think I think there was, and and I I, I think uh, whether whether you know that 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 tinfoil hat conspiracy of, of WWE intentionally um, flooding the market, I think WWE not selling uh, WWE um, wanting to cut costs so that they could sell, I think was always going to flood the market. Anyway, I think it was a matter of I think they maybe thought that there'd be a chance that, um, you know, that Tony would bite on all of those because he had the money to do so and right. would cre create a problem for himself. Um, but that's that's on Tony, I think, like ultimately. Yeah. And, and that's that's the you know, the situation is that they are. uh and and like so much of the so the, the the roster bloat now has they they the overuse has led to the overuse of factions because at first like with AEW it was cool they brought back factions um, faction wars and that was like the first dedicated faction not just for one pay per view WWE style and then you wipe your hands and and they're done like they kept going um, at each other over and over and uh, I I think. I don't know. It's uh, I kind of lost my thought there, um, but uh... no, you 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 centraled around exactly what we were talking about. And my last point. Oh, so Desmond, did, I'm sorry, uh, Damien, did you hear what I proposed to Desmond before I walked out? Basically, I was saying, is AEW in a unique situation to where it's not our argument shouldn't be whether or not they're building up young stars, rather unique their own stars. Uh, whether or not they were doing that in the beginning of AEW 1.0, but somewhere along the way it was lost. And my final point was, are the fans to blame for wanting to hit the nostalgia balloon? 
time and time again to where we don't really necessarily have the patience to wait on these guys to get it to a certain level. Because we want to see Punk versus Daniel Bryan nine times out of ten. Well, while Damien finishes chewing, let me just uh, uh, come back into the, for that last, because I don't think I, I answered that last uh, question. Yeah. Um, fuck, man, I, I, I lost my thought again. No, it's cool. I think we, we, it's not like we, we, I think we understand that there's an omnipresent idea to where like Seth Rollins is, uh, AJ Styles is 42. Seth Rollins is what, 36 or something like that? Like we understand that there's going to be a changing of the guard soon. So we want to make sure that in five years or so, there's not going to be a dead era wrestling where we're waiting on guys to be built up. But at the same time, we want our cake and eat it too, to where we want these superstar matches again that we kind of lost in the in the byway of WWE, where we want it, we're nostalgic for like the older stars, and you know we want to see those matches as opposed to you know being patient for someone to be built up over two years. Well, here's here's what I would say to that. There's nothing wrong with wanting your dream matches with wanting your older stars, right? It's okay for your company to even be built on older stars. That's fine. John Moxley, Kenny Omega, the young bucks. These are not young wrestlers. Chris Jericho, not a young wrestler. That's okay. But here we are. What? Five years into AEW's existence. And let's look at the facts. Uh, markets are starting to show some burnout. Double or Nothing's crowd was terrible. Uh, Vegas might be starting to be <laughs> overexposed a little bit. We run the shit out of Chicago, and right now we run the shit out of Chicago because CM Phil is out of Chicago, and we want that. Toronto. Uh, June 17th, I believe the date is when AW Collision, Saturday Night Collision is supposed to start selling terrible tickets. AW has four events running in that area in a week, one of which is fucking uh, Forbidden Door. Like, the TV products, ratings, demo, all down. None of this means AW is dying. But it does mean the hardcores are the hardcores. They're checking in because they're checking in. And you've got an established, solid 800,000 plus people that are going to show up every week. And that is fucking something. That is something. Especially in 2023. But crowds are not... You're not getting what you want right now. I think it's unfair to necessarily lay this at MJF's feet. Um, however, you can't have two title defenses in six months. You you just it, you it just can't. Feels like AEW. A lot of the booking, it's it's everything's happened to step like a, steps were skipped, so things happen too soon, and then there's these weird gaps that happen. You know, like what if instead of that having been the um, four pillars match what if the four pillars thing started after in this whole time each of those three guys were having their own feuds that they then came out of um like this whole summer they have a, they each have in, individually 
huge matches at All Out. And then the Dynamite after is where you now, after having built up the other three guys deliberately for six months, you then have that. And it's a it's a way more important, like it 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 has built up importance to it rather than like, we're telling you this is important because we're telling you that these right. are the four pillars. We're telling you that this is, and it's just like, yeah, no, I know, but you still need to like make the actual story good. And are you sure you have these guys are at a place where you can rely on them to tell this story? Yeah. And, well, and I think something that lends a lot of credence to that is accomplishments. Okay. Jungle Boy, he's a former TNT champion. So is, uh, I'm sorry, Darby is, right? And Darby's TNT title reign was actually memorable. Darby's accomplished some shit. Sammy's like a three-time champion. Jungle Boy, a former tag champion. They're not without their accomplishments, but look at what MJF has done since coming into the company versus what the other three have done. Let's look at who they've feuded with. MJF has feuded with CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho. MJF has been positioned as big fucking deal from day one and has largely performed and delivered. Jungle Boy's biggest feud is arguably with Christian Cage. A really excellent feud for Jungle Boy's character, and no disrespect to Christian, but it's it's not... The others that I just listed. Darby Allen. Again, kind of like some Jericho shit, some Team Taz shit that went on for too long. And uh, Darby's partnership with Sting has been really good. But his TNT, his TNT run was like the peak of his AEW career to this point, where he started building himself as a known person. And then Sammy. Sammy's just not. He's not really working as a face. He's kind of unlikable also as a heel, so no one knows what to do. He's also just been always under the trudge of a group, too, you know? Yeah, like... Like, that match with Cody was one of my favorite matches ever in AEW. The ladder like, match? Cody's yeah. last match? And, like, that should... That should have been Cody's... That was Cody's last match. But that should have been, like, Sammy Guevara's, like, I'm done with Jericho... I'm ready to go on my own, whether or not it's face or a heel. That was the time to, to do it as well. And you, what, what Desmond alluded to was such a classic, like a WWE thing. Where that's what they would do. Like over the, that was like their summer programs. They would choose four individual guys, four to six individual guys. And they like, they would be the champion and someone would be fighting the champion. And then the three underlings who were having those feuds when it came time for the fall or for uh SummerSlam. You know, they were like, look who I beat, look who I beat. And it was, it just naturally converged together to where a perfect example was um, Armageddon, the six way Hell in a Cell match, where each guy, it was for the WWE title, but each guy in that Hell in a Cell match had their own reasoning and their own legitimate claim to the title. The problem was, is that they could have done that with the four pillars match, but you had, um, like, you had, uh, Jungle Boy going in like a sort of, you know, like he was ready to close a chapter on Chris's cage, but doing that, like he should have had something in between going into that four pillars match. Like, you know what I mean? Like a good few to get him even more over rather than just, you know, sort of like I finally beat Christian Cage after a year and a half to give me a title match, you know? I think that Desmond's point of 
we should have built to this differently is definitely salient because all that happened here. And I, this, I say this as somebody who likes those four guys, but also who kind of doesn't like Sammy because he just seems like a real life shit heel. And, you know, Darby seems like an abuser and edge Lord. Um, no, I it, get that. But solely speaking from, no, like no, no, a... but, but, but I'm saying speaking from a wrestling standpoint, AEW has told you you should care about them, but hasn't given you a lot of reason to care about them versus people like MJF or Hangman who you've been like, yeah, you should care about them because they're worth caring about because these are people you give a shit about. People like Ricky Starks, who they have done a good job with, who they are doing a better job of putting into some higher profile feuds. The fact that he's Jay White's first feud is a really big deal. That's a huge deal that I think people are going to look back on. And, you know, as long as they ride that momentum, we're all good. Uh, AW is not failing at every single turn, but I do agree with Desmond's earlier point that like for WWE, NXT black and gold transitioned into 2.0 had some weirdness, but now you've got people like Grayson Waller and Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker who you're like, damn, the future looks fucking good. People like Indy Hartwell, people like Shotzi Blackheart, who she may botch a bunch of matches and not necessarily be great, but people love her. You know, WWE has done a pretty good job of stocking the coffers to the points where we view Sammy, KO, Seth, all these people as the old guard, and they are the old guard, but they went from relative unknowns to worldwide superstars under WWE and it just undeniably. So, so let's bring this all back. Now forbidden door season, SummerSlam season, the bloodline storyline. We can dispute what happened at WrestleMania, but it's got some legs that much is indisputable. We can argue till the cows come home. that Cody should have won. I'm never going to stop thinking that. Never going to stop thinking Why, that. We, we, us watching it and just being like, oh. Oh, all right. Mm. Great. But whatever. We'll see, we'll see how whatever. this turns out now. It's it's still happening. Jimmy's turn was great. We're Unbelievable. Right Unbelievable. Right um, I, I, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. I got you. Not angry. Oh, just man. I got you. Yeah. No. Yeah, listen. Great stuff. Unbelievable. So we're coming into some real pivotal points for these three promotions. G1 season, Forbidden Door, All In, All Out. Because we we say that we're not feeling great about AEW in some ways, but also they're about to sell 70,000 plus at Wembley Stadium. And, and they and, are yeah. fine. Yeah, they're yeah. fine. Like, listen, they were they were having a good run up until then. I think, uh, was it Revolution before that? Yeah. We, we were we, they hit a home run on that and it's fine like every every pay-per-view isn't going to slap and we understand that so and I'm, I'm willing to let that it's almost probably better that double or nothing wasn't too outstanding because now forbidden door can breathe a little more it it, it feels like the pay-per-views with a and and yeah you because know, it's I'm, I'm glad we are getting to the point where aw is fine it's like one of those things where like i i, I have a, i have friends that i feel like in, in some of my friend groups, I am sometimes viewed as like the, the most negative on AEW. Um, and like most, I guess, like interested in WWE of the, of like the chat type situation. But like, I, um, 
I don't know, man. I I just I I fucking sorry. I lost my phone. Well, it's like you ne- you 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 may be hard on AEW, but you're ne- it's never from yeah. a place of like I hate AEW. Yeah, it's because I really it, 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 because you want I, them I, to I, succeed. You know they can succeed. Give a shit. The yeah. way it felt that that 2021 all out like that was like such an amazing moment of like holy fuck this is like a realized mm-hmm. fucking promotion like it's here like every part of that card was nuts you know a big part of knowing that a promotion is a fully realized promotion is realizing that there are down points realizing yes. that it's okay like and acknowledging them acknowledging and, acknowledging and not no oh, cuz it's like i agree one, like the, the whole like wrestle wrestling fan tribalism thing is so fuck like brand tribalism as a fan is the dumbest thing you could ever do at this point. Like this is like the opposite of how you should be reacting to this period of wrestling. You should just want as many wrestlers and as many promotions yes. kill it because it's gonna make all of wrestling better. Like yeah. think about the fact that like Trinity is an impact right now and she like looks she looks yep. like a star. Which haven't even been, talked about that. Which, which is which is elevating impact as a whole. You know what I mean? Like, and and again, that's the brand. But another brand that 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 gets some clout, wrestlers are going to be more willing to go there, which then makes it 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 just creates. Uh, I don't know. It, it it just feels like the the tribalism right now is so annoying. And then it, it feels like everybody knows that. So then you have people that like I think sometimes jump the gun at assuming any criticism is coming from some sort of like bad faith uh fed fed drone type yep. of like shit or uh, and tony khan like mark. tony khan throws his hat into that ring constantly with his fucking nonsense and look everybody feeds into it ryan and i say it all the time on the podcast like this is probably the best era of wrestling of all time from a perspective of how much good wrestling exists on the indies, off the indies, promotions worldwide, uh, workers' equity. You know, honestly, the only thing missing is I is a true wrestlers' union, which I really do hope happens, but seems unlikely. But we want as many people to succeed as possible, and the only way for that to happen is for promotions to recognize the young and the old, balance it out. Mix it up. WWE's done a very good job of that over the last couple of years. New Japan is feeling fresh for the first time in a long time. The old guard strong as ever, but the new guard coming up strong. AEW has plenty of bright spots. I'm not worried about it. I just don't... I I think the reason why this conversation feels at the forefront of my head is because, you know, AEW is all about the elite. It's about Blackpool Combat Club, and that's fine. It should be. But the Four Pillars match was overshadowed by the elite BCC, and that's okay. Way more star power there. The Four Pillars match was a very good Fatal 4-Way. Did it elevate everybody in it? Time will tell. But we just want to make sure that our favorite promotions are remembering to respect that their audience is always evolving and therefore their their roster needs to evolve as well. And as we head into the most transformative parts of these various promotions seasons, 
SummerSlam, G1, leading to the leading to Wrestle Kingdom, leading to the Rumble, leading to the Road to WrestleMania, leading to All In and All Out. We just want to make sure that promotions do not go the way of mid aught TNA of late era WCW, where you have neglected everything that your company should be built on for that last little bit of star power. And that's the one thing that makes me worried about AEW over everybody else is, listen, you want to rely on Tanahashi till he can't run anymore in Okada? They'll be fine. That's fine. Their gates are going to do fine. WWE clearly can run the bloodline for as long as they fucking want. It's not going to matter. You're still going to care. But AEW, they're hedging a lot on CM Punk. And they're hedging a lot on Chris Jericho. And that is worrisome. So we as fans probably need to take these things into consideration as we continue to watch the rest of the year play out. But I think in closing... The future of wrestling's never been brighter. And I just hope that AEW continues to put people in a position to succeed or fail because you don't know what you have until you let them sink or swim, right? It's like pushing your baby into a pool. Also, I just want to say NXT 2.0, not that bad right now. 2.0 is great. If you give it a chance. Great job. Yeah. Having Ilya Dragunov in there, dude, when he's when he's going to face... I couldn't through again. It's going to be great. It's going to happen. It's going to be marvelous. So, hey, before close. we go, do you guys want to uh, play a game? Yes, but 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 I want uh, yes, to yes. let Desmond have the last word on this. Desmond, moving into these important seasons, right? AW's fine. WWE's fine. Who do you think has the momentum and whose future are you most excited about? Um... So the the first question, who, who which promotion I, I think has more meant more momentum right now? Yeah, and then which promotion's future do you feel like is brightest? Uh, I would say WWE has the momentum right now. Just it, it's uh, it it's managing having um, it's managing something, and the fact that it's managing um, the bloodline story and. Uh, now that now with the second belt, I think, I think it's going to get traction. It's going to like it's going to basically allow you to what when you have the size of WWE, like you you have a lot of you have a lot of canvas to work with. So like, I think um, I don't know. I I, I just feel like with with WWE um, I I'm sorry. I lost my fucking thought again. I'm so fucked right now. Desmond yeah. zooted to her. Whose future but, are you most excited about? Yeah, I mean, so so uh, the future the future is a bit of a push because I think while WWE has the momentum uh, and it because ha- it just has the the thorough card, it gives you the most. It can give you the most things. That's what I was trying to to come to to finish my thought. It can give you the most things, and it is balancing itself um, very well by giving you if you're a sports entertainmenty fan, you have the bloodline story, and now with with the second belt you'll get to have do more of the like diehard like wrestling fan type of uh story so you, you can cater to that much more as far as the future goes AEW 
AEW is the wild card. The, the thing that makes it great is the thing that you're now seeing sometimes the downsides of, which is like they take swings and they're ballsy swings sometimes. And sometimes they don't connect. And, and that's, that's what happens. That's kind of the art of AEW's whole existence. Um, and, uh, because of that, you know, it's wild like that because of the autonomy that the wrestlers have and, and, and their ability to, to have much more direct influence on what goes down clearly sometimes way too much. And, and that's what leads to, you know, all the beef that they have going on, but like, that's, what's always going to make AEW fascinating and that they have the younger people and that they're, when they're willing to take more chances, um, and sometimes get weird with characters or, or, or offbeat with, with presentation. Um, it just makes it always like, Ooh, I want to, I want to see what they're going to try um, next. So inherently there, there's that good to them. And I think I, I, I'm very curious to see how I'd like to think now that you've had the, the, the four pillars match and you kind of found, okay, we can't fully run with all these guys at this, at this spot. We're going to probably need to now, you know, I think they should start de-emphasizing Blackpool Combat Club. You know, it got, you got Yuta the win over, over Omega. Let Yuta start to like, you can still keep him with, with, with Claudio or something, but I think a return to, to Danielson and Mox getting to, getting to just be main eventers, like in their own thing, the, the infusion of star, star power with that, with, uh, with Omega and and Page, those four, you get those four back into main event, you know, uh, it that will bring the star power side of things, and then I think that'll let everything else get to be more go down the card a bit, and that's where guys can be a little less. Uh, I, th I think there's a lot of tension in AEW. I wonder why um, right now. If and only we knew. Oh, got him third. You nailed it. Another reference. Another ref. Um, but it, you know, I, I think, um, with WWE, the, 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 the future is bright in that, like, um, I mean, it, it does feel like, uh, you have, you have Cody, uh, like I, th I think Cody's, uh, going to be a fascinating story to continue to watch because it feels like his whole existence is like this endless, uh, uh, comparison of, of of brands and, and presentations to each other, like all Cody Rhodes across the Codyverse. It his he his like his gimmick is that he's self conscious about like whether or not he is uh, yes. deserving of the spot. His, his whole character is, "Do you like me?" <laughs> his whole character is, "Do you like me?" I um, hope you do. Please uh, love me, Vince. <laughs> it'd be good if you did. That would be good for me. <laughs> Like, um, like the, there's a lot of interesting storylines ahead along with, you know, uh, a bunch of, you know, younger people that are, that are, uh, uh, you know, like Montez Ford. Like, like, I'm not sure if we, if we brought him up, but you mentioned he, him earlier. Yeah. He looks, he looks unbelievable. Um, well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, the best way to put it is. With WWE, with AEW, you know, with everybody, the the moral of the story is the last thing you want to think when you think about your favorite promotion is, you know, I wonder where we're going, where it's always been. 
number I four. See. It's number it's four. The fourth, the fourth right there. This. The fourth. You guys say, you guys say, you guys say, like Austin Powers, a like, career day. <laughs> <laughs> um all right ryan play us out with a game i like a game all right cool so have you guys heard of statigories i've heard of scategories is that well statigories oh screen sharing oh statigories is very simply a game of higher or lower we're gonna play a wwe edition tonight Mm-hmm. And this particular game entails, guess which wrestler has won more WWE pay-per-view matches? Now, we're going to press play. Two guys are going to appear on the screen. You're going to guess which one had the most WWE pay-per-view match, has won more pay-per-view matches. And then the person you select, whoever is the correct answer, is going to carry over to another individual, to another individual, until finally, you know, you're going to have to guess... Who won more matches? So let's go right into it. All right. Our first selection is... Oh, God. <laughs> I, I feel like that's got to be Benoit, right? Uh, yeah. It's, this uh, is so, so Bret this Hart is, versus Chris Beto. Yeah, that's that's got to be Benoit. I feel fairly mm, confident. Ooh, this gonna, is a tough one. This I'm going to go Bret Hart. You're going to go Bret Hart? Brett. I'm going Bret. The Damien going Chris Benoit. Desmond going Bret Hart. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Bret Hart. 40? 40 37. All right. All if right. Something go. didn't happen. Very close. Look Bret Hart or Perry Saturn. Uh, okay, this should be. Yeah, yeah Bret, right? Bret it's got to be Bret. And keep in mind, this is this is, this is is not retconning WC, WCW into WWE. So think of Perry Saturn, New Radicals, and WWF and beyond. Mm-hmm. But we, I think we can probably wait, say wait, it. You're- Oh, yeah, yeah, it's only WWE. Right. WWE. Oh, yeah, I feel it's got to be Brett. All right, so yeah. Bret Hart? Yeah, Brett. Five. Five. 40 to 5. 40 wow. to 5. Okay. Oh, okay, well. Perry Big Saturn Show or, or Perry Big Saturn? Show. Yeah, Big Show. Big nice show. and easy. Ah? Nah, it's got to be Does it show. feel weird that I'm not sure? Yeah, that's true. He has lost a lot. But I, I mean, he, I'm he's still going to go Big Show. So I'm still going to go Big Tag Show. Tag matches. Big Show versus Perry Saturn. Oh yeah, it's big. Oh show. my god, fifty-two. <laughs> wow. Okay, so would you have guessed Brett, Big Show Ooh, over Bret Hart? We got no, big, I wouldn't have. Big got, Show or Rey Mysterio? Ooh. Um, Rey Mysterio. This is, this is tough. I don't know that I think yeah. Ray has more wins. Ooh. Ray joined WWE in the early two thousands. Right. As a did big little. Show. Yeah, probably oh, a little show before that. Show, show was a little bit before Ray. Ooh. Gee, I'm not sure. What are you thinking, Des? Well, I, I, I said Ray. You're so thinking Ray? I'm just going to let it rock. I, I have some second thoughts, but I'm going to let it rock. I'm going to stick with show. Wow. Damien is right. Wow. Oh, you got the angry Shawn Michaels gift because you only got three. We're not ready for WWE. I don't like that. We can do better than that. Should we go again? One more one time. One more. All right, one more time. One Here we go. Moss. Braun, Braun Strowman or Billy oh, Gunn? Fuck. Billy yeah. Gunn. Got to be Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn. 36 25. to 25. Okay. Cool. King oh, here's Kong a hard one. Bundy or Billy Gunn? I wonder to what degree they can, cons- like, what do they consider a pay-per-view? Well, yeah, so that's a good point. 
but it should also help you in the sense that there were way more pay-per-views back in the day than King Kong Bundy, his era of the golden era. Because it was like Survivor Series, I guess it was around that point. Maybe we're yeah, counting yeah, I got some you. of the house shows matches, but I'm I'm I'll stick with Billy Gunn. Though. Yeah, Sam, I'm sticking with Billy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. New Age Outlaws was pretty dominant for a while. Ooh, I think yeah, okay. Mickey James or King Kong Bundy. I feel like Mickey James Mickey, has to have had Mickey at James. least five title defenses. Okay. 16. Yeah, 16. Thank God. All right. So now we're tied. Mickey James mm. or Bam Bam Bigelow? God damn it again. Feel like I don't I'm, think he was in WWE yeah, that long, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with Mickey because I'm don't sticking think Bam with Bam Mickey. Bam was there that long. Okay. All right. We beat our high score. There we go. Okay, this should be okay. Uh, Rand- Randy Orton or Bam Bam Bigelow? I'm gonna go Randy Orton. Jesus, wow. Eight. Randy Orton or Mercedes Monet? Well, unfortunately for Mercedes, she doesn't exactly have a habit of winning the Randy big Orton. Pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why 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 we're calling her Mercedes Monet. Twenty one still a respectable <laughs> number though. Ooh, okay. Mercedes Monet or Rick Rude? You know what? I feel like I might go Mercedes because being realistic. Like, think about title shots and shit. I don't know how often Rick Rude had a strap around him. That's pa- true. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the, the quantity of pay-per-views also of the era. I'm going to go with Mercedes. Yeah, I'm going Mercedes as well. Yep. Good job, guys. Killing it. Rick Rude or Santino Morella? Hmm. How often did Santino win? Not That's a whole the real lot. real question. I feel like he has to have more than six, though. Oh. I don't know, man. My gut tells me Santino because by the time Santino broke into WWF, WWE, we had like 12 pay-per-views a year. It's true. Uh, but how many did he win of those? I'm sticking with Santino. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Damien Damien's choice. Okay. Wow, okay. Hell we were, yeah. yeah, there you go. There Hell you go. Yeah. 14 to 6. Santino Morella or Matt Hardy? Seems easy. Matt okay. Hardy, right? Matt Hardy, yeah. Yep. 41. Wow. Pretty good career. Matt Hardy oh, or oh, Lita. Wow. <laughs> they, they know, man. They really know. Matt does Hardy he, or Lita. Does he Edge. know? Does he know? Does he know? <laughs> How many points does a live sex celebration get? Is that like 50? Gets some. It gets a uh, sixty-nine point. Oh, oh, oh! All right, is Matt right? <laughs> it's nice gotta be Matt. Yeah, nice and easy. Yeah. Okay. Only eight. Wow. Okay. All right, Lita or Ken, Ken Shamrock. Shamrock. This is wins. Yeah, this is wins. So Ken has always been very. He's always been pretty well respected in WWE, but. I feel I would feel more confident about this if we were talking about WCW. I'm not quite sure about WWE. I don't recall. Was Ken in w- WCW? He Ken? did have a very formidable four year career. I was saying. Yes, w- he. I I would argue he was more well known in WCW personally. Okay. I'll say Ken. I don't feel super confident about it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. okay. Okay, eight to fifteen. Ken or wow. Bailey? I feel like Bailey. Yeah, I think I gotta say Bailey too, just 
terms of number of I feel like they must be counting NXT takeovers. Yeah, they have to if it's Mercedes Monet and she had 21, it has to be has to be counting NXT too. Okay. Which kind of Okay, then it's yeah, Bailey. I'm going yeah. with Bailey. Yeah, Bailey. Yep. A little close, 24 to 15. Bailey or Test? Test. I'm going to stick with Bailey. Test yeah, had a... Test not Test know. had a moment, but he really just got fed to Triple H. He wasn't he didn't really have that whole man's career was to be fed yeah. to Triple H in that, that one storyline. I'm sticking with Bailey. Yep. Twenty four to eight. Pretty depressing. Cedric Alexander. Ooh, now, now that's what I call depressing. Yeah, because uh-huh. I kind of feel like it might be Test, but Cedric did have a run as cruiserweight champion, and I'll go Cedric just because, again, like the numbers game. But I don't feel great about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Wow. Top ten percent. <laughs> we got we went from nice. sad Shawn Michaels to double champ Brock Lesnar. Tell yeah. your WWE friends. I'll take it. Uh, that's I'll sad. take it, guys. Very it's, cool though. Tell your WWE friends is is a sad sad phrase. Well <laughs> tell tell, your... tell all your WWE <laughs> friends. Only tell your WWE friends. <laughs> oh boy. Um fantastic choice of game. We, I think, can use this in lieu of our legend killer this week. And well, so I said anyone anyway, and it should be an easy okay, one. But so it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun picture. <laughs> Look at the swag just dripping in that picture. So, you know, what? part of me is worried that I won't get this, but, um. I'm a little more worried. so so is that uh, is that the um is that the wild samoans correct paulie correct yeah that's i i thought it was paulie so th- we got to be looking at like the what mid 80s um 88 89 late 80s yeah the concept of like guy who had to interact with paul Heyman in the 1980s is just <laughs> like what a life what a life if you were like if you're his neighbor or something like you paul fucking Heyman, saw that guy paul Heyman doesn't get enough shit for being a carny piece of garbage does he? no he doesn't and we kind of wreck on him just because of his genius and his acumen and like he's just yeah. sort of been like this fluid character in wrestling for the last 40 years now yeah but he's a carny piece of shit but i mean He's a carny piece of shit in a whole room of carny pieces of shit. So you just have to choose which one you like the best. Sure. I guess that's fair. But I mean, like, look at this. He's like, do you think in his in in his brain that he's going to be sort of doing the same thing as the wise man 40 years later with these guys, sons and nephews? That is that is fair. That is fair. And the answer is probably because he's a Cardi piece. Right. Of exactly. Like, I will die in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I will own your sons and your son's sons. Um, So, Des, you've been here for nearly, nearly two hours. You've contributed a great deal. You've dealt with long-form conversations about pan-Pacific wrestling. So, this time is yours you tell the people whatever you think the people need to know is this a, the plug the plug space this is the plug space but you know is what it... plug whatever you want well yeah uh 
So career day uh, is uh, we got some shows coming up. We're playing at Heart Bar in Bushwick uh, on July first. We uh, if you're in DC, actually, before that uh, on June seventeenth. Yeah, Saturday, June seventeenth, we'll be playing at uh, Atlas Brew Works, um, Philly or South Jersey, July second, and we uh, have a little tour brewing for the that we hope to be able to announce uh, in the next uh, maybe month or so. I don't know. I don't know when you announce these things. I'm just happy to get to do it again. And uh, we're writing. Um, I also do the Through the Island podcast. Uh, we might have an episode sometime soon. We we really don't, uh, you know, uh, care. Through the, I- Through the Island takes the FFC approach of podcasting, uh, which is the Brock Lesnar way of podcasting, which is show up when the fuck I want to show up. You don't tell my me. My contract. I reworked my contract. Yes. Yeah. With six game well, losing. Is your, don't worry about it. We'll get it on contract, the first one. Is your contract with corporate Mike or like, do you have subsidiaries? Like how, do, how does that work? We have a lot of shell companies for, for a lot of our, um, let's say, uh, by any means necessary, uh, uh, artillery. Good, good. Okay, great. Um, Career Day is also offering plenty of merch that you can purchase through Desmond by contacting him through the Career Day Twitter or Instagram or Desmond's own stuff, which speaking of which, I'm going to make an on-air purchase. Mm -hmm. You can sign me up for a beanie and the two shirts. Okay. What what, what size? You know what size. Don't make me say it on the air. Extra small. Extra small. The smallest you have. (laughs) I got you. The very, the very smallest shirt that you can find, baby size. I'll see. I, I can, I can shrink it if you want. I tell you what, get me two of each shirt, extra small for my biceps. You know, yes. a shirt for each sep. Yes, yes, I got you, I got you. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that's on our band camp. But yeah, uh, pretty, pretty excited to be doing music. It, you know, it's crazy. I think uh, it was just about a year ago less than a year ago right before the 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 album came out we were on here and i was like it was nice to finally get to get to actually have a thing and now that we've been fucking playing shows around the northeast a little bit it's kind of fucking crazy like it's it's nice thanks for uh supporting us along the way that was uh that was really nice of you and and it's it's nice now to like uh get to actually do something with it rather than uh Rather than the long-term story, that long-term booking that had been going on in my head, it's nice just to to watch. Desmond Desmond has moved out of the impact zone and is now squarely at Daly's place. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan and I, Ryan and I, talk frequently about how fortunate we are that so many of our friends that we're we're able to be friends with so many talented people across all the spectrums be it music or yoga or businesses you know just been very very fortunate for ryan and me to to know the people we do and so it's always our pleasure to make sure that the people who deserve it get the spotlights that they so richly deserve that's very kind man thank you thanks for uh including me in that uh and that esteem again. I, I love that word tonight. Esteemed. It's uh, a good one. It's a it's, it's a good, a good one. one. It's Especially a moist, it's a as a verb. Word. As a verb too. You know, esteem as a verb is kind of nice. Yeah, like I esteem you, 
Yeah. It's an adjective, esteemed. It's like a clean, like brain buster of a of a move. You know, it's close. It, it's like I don't know. This nice, a nice snap, a nice snapdragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Desmond, I believe with this, you regain your championship, and you might be in luck because Bryce, boy, he's a busy bee when it comes to title defenses, and I, he just might not have time for this one for a little bit. You know, he he's all over the place. But there is another man behind your back. But there is another man behind your back. That is the B-Man. Matthew, Matthew John Brusha. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you've got a ways away. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Don't worry. Desmond, as always, thank you for joining us on this magical, riveting journey through professional wrestling's landscape. And so, we must bid you... Goodbye, good night, and good night again. Bang! Said it. I said it. Nice. Adieu. 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 (laughs) Must bid you adieu. Man, you see how I changed it. You see how I changed it so then he couldn't sue us. That's what I did. I'm so fascinated by like like if Kenny Omega ever could go to WWE. Like the weirdness, the weirdness of just like a, a Manitoban. A Manitoban, uh, uh, what is it? We is is weeb a, a canceled word? Is is that? Is I don't not, think so. I think he'd be the first person to tell you that he's a weeb. I honestly. think that I don't think he's, that weeb is a cancelable term because it's quite literally the entirety of your love affair with a culture is strictly based on one particular form of media. It's uh, like so. No, a Manitoban, a, a Manitoban weeb is just. Uh, it's a, it's a lot to think about. Your and name's it, Tyson Suzuki. It turns out to be you know, he's such a he's such a. I miss the North Carolina though. I really I because I, I I just started watching Last Dance, so like uh, the the North Carolina bit in context of watching how serious uh, <laughs> like the Last Dance is and how serious are. how serious Michael Jordan takes himself and like Kenny is very analogous to to Michael Jordan in that like they're socially weird. Michael, un- kind of like competitive to just the most absurd, degenerate gambler, and and Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, uh, again, um, uh, a weeb that grew up in fucking like Saskatchewan or some shit. Well, it's like I always say: I'll take a Kenny Omega in WWE over a John Lennon alive any day. <laughs> and so, with that, for Desmond, for Ryan. For myself, <laughs> this has been the most electrifying, must listen to podcast in sports entertainment. This has been F F C.